0: Welcome to the 24-7 Prayer podcast. My name is Hannah Heather.
1: And my name is Brian Heasley.
0: And we're so glad that you have joined us today. What have we got in store on the podcast, Brian?
1: Well, for a while now, 24-7 Prayer has been working with Elam a ministry that uh, is based in Iran and works with Persian-speaking and Farsi-speaking people. And so we have a a national director who looks after our work in Iran, and she has put us in contact with a guy called Fashid, who's a pastor currently living in Turkey and who is an Iranian who served out there. And, uh, yeah, his story is phenomenal. But it's a story of prayer. Mm. I I don't think we can't like, it's not one of those stories that you think that's never going to happen to me because definitely what happened to him is never going to happen to you or me. But we can learn so much about Mm. joy Mm -hmm. from this man and about what it means to keep going in the midst of challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his story is incredibly challenging. And I, I think for me, like one of the big takeaways was it's easy to say and feel like we know certain theological truths you know yeah. we talk about like a piece that passes understanding for example but this is a man who has tested that principle to yeah. the very extreme and can say you know te- he just testifies Uh, exactly how he felt in certain situations where, you know, it defies all logic uh, and yet he held on to something very tangible, very real and he's going to speak into that for us now. So this is Farshid's story. Please do be advised that the nature of this podcast will cover some sensitive subjects.
1: Farshid, so Lovely to have you here on the podcast today. Tell me who you are, where are you from,
2: and what do you do? As you said, my name is Farshid, Farshid Fatih. I was born and raised in Iran um, in an Islamic family. I was born actually right after the Islamic Revolution in 1979. Wow. Then my older brother, at the end of 1995, gave his life to the Lord as a first member of the family. And uh, till those days, well, Jesus was like a prophet because I was Muslim and uh, I was believing Jesus was a prophet who came to the world as a prophet. Uh, But in those days, because I was seeing a real transformation in my brother's life, Mm -hmm. uh, then I started to think again about this Jesus because uh, even though I was 17, I was seeing a different Jesus in our house. He was able to save my brother from depression. Wow. He actually attempted suicide two times, and we were not talking to each other for over two years. You can imagine we were living at the same room, not even one single word. Wow. Uh, Birthday was coming, New Year coming, but not even the same. We hated each other very much. But after he gave his love to Jesus, I was seeing he's listening to some strange songs. Uh, It was the first time I was hearing the worship songs in Farsi, which was amazing. Even though I was not a believer, somehow I was touched by those songs. Then uh, my brother came to me after two years. He hugged me. He asked for forgiveness. I was shocked. I was thinking what happened to him. And then I realized he became Christian. So since that moment, I started to read his New Testament in private. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't because of the pride I had, I didn't want him to know I'm interested about that. So I started reading his Bible, his New Testament in private for almost two months. Wow. And I can tell you two things really touched me. The first one was, even though it was the first time I was reading the Word of God in Persian in my own language, but it was like a familiar voice for my soul.
3: Wow. It was understandable
2: somehow. And wow. the second thing is I was seeing God as a father. For me, as a Muslim guy, it was unbelievable. Mm. Some people introduce themselves with their education, with mm-hmm. their family background, with the victories they have in life. <laughs> but <laughs> I really prefer to introduce myself by, by what he has done in my life. Then I'm a father too, of course. I have two children. My daughter is going to be 20.
1: Oh, my goodness. In, you don't yeah, sound that
2: old. <laughs> you have to see my face <laughs> oh you should see mine <laughs> okay. so my daughter is going to be 20 in nine days Wow, Rosanna yeah and my son Berdia is almost 15 yeah I'm a father I, I become a pastor officially in 2005 through Ila ministry I'm I'm a I'm a Bible teacher mentor and I am his beloved more than Anything else. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so good. I love that. And that, that idea that you said, Farshid, of a familiar voice for the soul, mm-hmm. do you find that, that that's what resonates when you're sharing faith in your context? Is is that, you know, the idea of mm. Father God that you talked about as well? Because for, for I guess for Hannah and myself, we don't always quite understand the context, the Muslim or Islamic context in which you find yourself how radical is the idea of a a father god who listens
2: well it, it is it is super radical because you know uh, the relation actually there is no relationship the type of communication you are trying to have with god as a muslim it's not as a father it's a god which is very far from you and unreachable and um, actually there is a verse in quran said um uh, that is, God doesn't have any son. So if God doesn't have any son, regarding to Quran, so you cannot call him as a father. So it was very radical. But, mm. you know, Iranian people, uh, especially today, they're seeking their relationship, not mm. religion. Now, always I say uh, religion can kill relationship. And yeah. Iranian these days, they are looking for relationship and that's a beautiful uh, relationship to have, to, uh, mm-hmm. to be in touch with him as a father. This is this is very, it was far from my imagination as a Muslim guy. This is so radical.
0: I mean, so many questions, Farshid. Thank you for already, I feel like I've just learned so much from from what you've just shared about your context. And I guess I'm interested to know, so you have this, this moment um, of like stealing your brother's Bible sneakily. I mean, we've all of us probably yeah. have stolen our stuff from our siblings, but what a great mm-hmm. thing to steal his Bible and then, and then you know, making your way into a church, having to go to the basement because you know they're they're nervous that you might be there to to kill them uh, is what yeah. I'm hearing. And so that's the kind of the beginning of this journey. And then you know, we know that you then you know put your faith in Jesus and end up getting in quite a lot of trouble for that. Could you share a little bit of that, that journey and what happened next?
2: Sure, sure. Actually, that journey started with joy, <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you. And when, I, when they took me to the basement, two brothers came. I had many questions in my mind after reading New Testament for a couple of months. I was, going to, I was telling myself, I'm going to ask them what it means, Jesus is the Son of God, and all these things. But two brothers came, they shared the good news with us, and I don't know why all the questions was disappear from my mind. <laughs> so in that wow. day, I had no idea about repentance or about Holy Spirit. But then one of the guys, he asked me now, do you want to give your life to Jesus? That's in 1st of April, 1996. That was on a Friday night, Friday evening. So uh, even though I had no idea, what it means giving my life to Jesus in that (laughs) night, I said, yes. And also my brother's friend said, yes. Again, they didn't let us go to the main hall for the the rest of the service. And they told us, you can go and buy a new testament from our bookshop. And for example, come next week, for example, on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what I remember is even though I had no idea about the real meaning of repentance, faith, and Holy Spirit, But as soon as I put my foot on the street, out of the church, I realized something happening, something actually moving in me. Wow. Wow. So I said to my brother's friend, I said, Mama, I "I don't know what happened, but something in me is moving. Wow. Let's let's run. I cannot walk. Wow. I remember, yeah, as a teenager, I was 17, he was 19. We came out to the street and like two crazy boys, we started to run as fast as possible. So I remember this is how the journey started for me, by joy, by joy of the Holy Spirit. So The journey
1: started with joy.
2: Yeah, the journey really started with joy. And and I can tell you, I could see the footprint of that joy for the rest of my life, even in the darkness time of my life. I could feel the footprint of that joy. So this is how the journey started. A year after that, I realized I had a calling for kids. So I became a Sunday school teacher for 11 years. And then also a little bit after I became a worship leader. And always I was saying, I have no idea for full-time ministry. I had a good job. I said, I would like to have my job. And also serving the Lord until... December two thousand three, when the earthquake happened in Bam, and mm-hmm. I can tell you, over thirty thousand people died in twelve seconds. Uh, it happened in uh, in Christmas time, and uh, yeah. so I remember when I saw in the TV the pain of people who died because of the earthquake.
1: Sorry, Fasheed, the earthquake was was where was that? It was in northern Iran or in
2: that was almost in the center, the
1: center of... of
2: Bam. Yeah, okay. And I remember my daughter was three months in those days because she was born, as I told you, in October, and it happened in December. So, and I had one week off from my, I was able to get one week off from my job and go and help whatever I can do. I remember I came to the church. I asked one of the elders. I told him I can go one week and do whatever I can do to help these people. Mm -hmm. And I remember when the elder looked at me and said, Sorry, we don't have any plan for BAM. Wow! And in my heart, I got a bit disappointed actually, mm-hmm. because I was telling myself, if we as a church, if we don't have any plan for people who are in that pain, yeah, then who has the plan?
0: Yeah, great yeah. question. So,
2: still, still, my heart was burning for those people, even though I had a uh, disappointment. <laughs> I had a. Uh, that answer from him, so I had a friend. he was a missionary in Iran, he was a pastor from South Korea, Pastor Lee, and he was serving the Lord as a missionary in Iran. he' missionary somehow for decades and wow. I, um, for two decades almost. and I went to him, we were friends together. I said, Pastor Lee, I can go to Bam. I have one I can get one week off. I didn't use my off days this year, and I can go and serve." and he said yes actually i knew a korean brother who want to go there so we went there together the brother who came from south korea and also i we went there i went there actually to stay for one week but i stayed there for one year oh my goodness. because yeah because when i went there after three four days i met people from elam ministry i knew elam i was friend with them from, from i knew about them but Brilliant. i one of my friends from uk he actually came from Elam to see what they can do. And while I was distributing hygiene kits in a camp, I heard someone is calling my name, Farshid, Farshid, what are you doing here? I said, oh, what are you doing here? I, I thought you were in England. He said, no, we came here for help and we are looking for someone as a project manager to stay here and, and help these people. I said, you know what, my daughter is just three months And my job, only I have one week. I I had a very good job in a shipping line. And also, my wife, I need to ask her, I need to pray. Anyway, after I did all these things, um, after a few days, I said yes. And I decided to stay there 23 days in BAM and four days in Tehran. I have a lot to share about that one year. But I think because of the time, we cannot go into that. But after that, yeah, we came to England. I studied in Elam College. Um, and after six months uh, actually I had offered to be a pastor in Manchester they had 40 Iranians there but I told them no I would like to go back to my country, yes. mm-hmm. how many pastors we have in Iran, there are many pastors in England I and mean, mm-hmm. all over the world
3: Yeah, but and, and Fashid
2: if, 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 <laughs> you've,
1: if you've ever been to Manchester I think you may have made a better choice <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> but God had a better plan I will tell you so yeah I went back to Iran in summer 2005, but unfortunately, the church I was in there before, they were monitoring by the government, they were under the pressure, so I decided it's better to leave that church because they were so afraid of the government, Mm -hmm. and they were monitoring by the government. So I came to my home, and I started underground church with two families, from two families to four families, four families, ten families. And in five years, by God's grace and by the three months course actually we have in Elam, we planted forty eight churches in twenty cities, yeah, in Iran. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, just to get that, forty eight churches in twenty yeah. cities.
2: Yeah. In, in five, five years. years. Yeah, yeah. From two thousand five until December two thousand December two thousand ten wow. is a is another chapter of my life.
1: What happened next? I'm, we're fascinated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, in, on 26th of December 2010, uh, all of our ha- houses got attacked by the intelligence service of Iran. They came to arrest all of us. Somehow they find out that, about our ministry and they came to arrest all of us. Gosh. So I was sleeping in my mother-in-law's house. And my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law also, they were the church leader. They were people that I sent them for the courses. Uh, somehow I introduced them to, to be a pastor and all these things. Uh, I trained them. I teach them. I w- we were sleeping in their house and down that night. But on 26th of December, 6 in the morning, I woke up with the voice of the strangers. Mm. I heard the, str- the voice that is telling, uh, if you cooperate, nobody is going to get hurt. And then I saw five big men with beard. They came inside and I realized they should be from the intelligence service. So anyway, they came to arrest my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law. And uh, at the same time, they were going to my house. But because I was not at home, they broke the door of my home. But in that moment, I had no idea. I thought just they came to arrest them. Anyway, in a miraculous way, uh, they didn't recognize me that I'm a senior pastor. I founded this church. Wow. So after searching two hours, I was sitting on the bench and they took also my mobile. That was a very important mobile because all the church members number was in that. And some of them, they had governmental job. You can imagine what is going to happen for them. But they took that mobile as well. Then I really, they asked me to fill a form about the personal information. I wrote my personal information, but again, they didn't have a look on that. (laughs) So uh, after two hours, they were almost taking my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law to prison. And I was sitting on the coach and they were just looking at me with the eyes was actually their eyes was talking somehow that like he's the one. He, he is the main, he's our pastor. Wow. And he's sitting there. But they didn't say anything. And then I came to the guy from the governor. I said, excuse me, can I take my children to the school? My daughter was seven at that time and my son was less than two. It was actually five days mm-hmm. before his second birthday. And then um, they, the guy looked at me and they asked me, what you were doing in this house again? Can you tell me? I said yes. We were just guests here, and we stayed here. That's all. And then he went back. He went to ask someone, came back and said yes, you can go. Then I told him, would you please give me back my mobile? He said which one? I said this one. So I took the mobile oh. and also I took my children. And in front of the eyes of my enemy, <laughs> wow, and also in front of the eyes of the the church member, like my the other yeah. minister, my. I came out from the house and I start calling other pastors, but no one answered. Then I realized they arrested all of them. Then s- someone called me from my home, and I was thinking, who is calling me? Because I was there, nobody's there. Our home, home is empty. The guy from the people from intelligence service, they were calling me there, and they asked me, "You should come home. We want to ask you some question." And then I said, "Let me think." And then I hang on the phone and they were keep calling me, but I was not answering. And I was thinking and all I'm saying, you now, it's all happened in one minute.
1: Maybe. Yeah. It's a very quick.
2: Yeah. Because I was looking at my daughter. She was sitting at the front. Um, I remember her face very well. And also Mm. I looking at my son, he was sitting in his seat car. I was looking at him from the mirror. I was looking at myself in the mirror and I, Finally, because because I had a chance to escape from the country, as you know, maybe you know or not, but we were good friends of the smuggler from Turkey. Because okay. from Turkey, we were trying to bring Bible inside oh, somehow.
1: So there was a sm- a people uh, a smuggler who smuggled Iranians out into Turkey. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And he was your friend.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I had a friend, and he already told me if anything happened, just come to the border. And we will bring you, this story goes back for 2010. So anyway, I was thinking, what shall I do? Mm. Shall I disappear? Shall I take the kids? Shall I go back? And I can say for two reasons, somehow, I decided to say goodbye to my children and turn myself in. Uh, The first one was maybe because I saw the faces of my ministry team. You know, they were two people from my ministry team, Mm -hmm. and I saw their faces. Later on, I was thinking maybe if I was not seeing their eyes, which was somehow asking for help, maybe it was easier for me to close my eyes and just go. But I couldn't forget their faces. And the second reason I have decided to turn myself in is I think it's already written in the Gospel of John chapter 10. Mm. The part that says the good shepherd lay his life for the sheep, but the one who is the uh, the hired, when he, when he see the wolf is coming, leave the sheep and run away. Wow. And I was thinking, am I a hired or a shepherd? Mm. Wow! You know, in that time, I was a, officially I was a pastor for five years in those days, and I was thinking, yes, I was uh, supporting financially. I was supporting by the church by Elam Ministry. But it was not for the money, you know? I mean, for Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. work, maybe it's possible you receive money, but you are not doing that job because of the money. So finally, I have decided, okay, we we came to my daughter's school, she was in grade one, because in Iran, they go to school when they are seven. Anyway, I came out from my car, I bowed down before her in this street, and uh, I said, just I want to tell you, Rosanna, that loves you so much but probably we are not going to see each other for a while. And I remember my daughter hugged me as strong as she can Mm -hmm. without any word. Just she was holding me in her arms for maybe 10, 12 seconds. And finally um, she went to the school and then I came to my son's kindergarten. I remember that was the last time I saw my daughter. Um, Then I met her again after 10 years when she was 17 and then i came to see my son i I came to say goodbye to my son i remember i kissed him from head hand everywhere and i gave him to his teacher and then i couldn't see him for 12 years the next time i met my son it was um this Mm. christmas actually last christmas after 12 years but he was 14 not look like the 2 years old boy i have no i said goodbye to they him grow. Yeah. they Fashid, grow first can i yeah.
0: can i just say it, like this is for me my kids are currently so my daughter is 5 my little boy is about to be 2 so that i mean i'm i literally you know i did that this morning i said goodbye to the one at school and mm. the other one at nursery and the thought of that that hug you know and knowing i'm not going to I'm not going to see. I mean, I, how, how do you choose Jesus in that moment? That is like, mm. I, I, what were you feeling?
2: Wow, that was that was a, a, one of the most special moments in my life. Um, I had pain, I had fear, but at the same time, I had peace and I knew this is the right things to do. But I can confess here that I had no idea it's going to take sure. 50, t- 10 years or 12 years, yeah. you know? Yeah. If it was not because of the technology, if I was not able to see any photo, especially from my son, it was possible today we go to the same supermarket, I take the bottle of water, he took his chewing gum, he paid for himself, I pay for myself, and we do not recognize each other. Um. I I had no idea it's going to take that long.
1: So Rashid, sorry, and I, I I I totally get that. Why was it ten years? What happened? Because
2: because for the first five years I was in prison, and then eight I was in solitary confinement and locked up room for one year, almost one year for three hundred sixty one days. Gosh. I was in solitary. I haven't seen sun this sun in the sky for five six months. I haven't seen myself in the mirror for 361 days Uh and uh, my cell was two meter to two meter and then they took me to a bigger cell, four meter to four meter. I always had blindfold and so that's another story. But when I was in solitary after eight months, um, suddenly my wife disappeared. She took uh, our kids and all we had and they had to leave the country because also she was under the pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. also, our relationship was not in a good situation when they arrested me. That was another reason, so that's why she disappeared and uh she took the kids it took it took five years, but when I came out from prison and and then she applied for divorce, we got divorced while I was in prison, and because of that divorce and because our relationship ended up in a time that I was in prison. Uh, she was not cooperating mm-hmm. to bring kids to Turkey then I can meet them. So it took another five yeah. years, another seven years and finally um wow. by God's grace and people's prayer also she cooperated. Finally I was able to meet my children, our children actually, I always I say our children. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the reason.
1: Thank you so much for your honesty on that one.
2: Yeah. I'm not saying I was I was the good husband, and all was his fault. Oh, definitely, it was my fault too. I believe in every marriage, every broken marriage too. Heart mm-hmm. has their own issues.
1: That's so, so kind of you, and and we really appreciate that. So, you, I'm just Fashid, I'm just just trying to for the for our listeners out there. Obviously, we're there, we're telling this story, and you, how do you maintain a footprint of joy? when you're in prison for, I guess you went to prison for your faith. You were 361 days in solitary confinement. It's just unbelievable. And then you were a further four or so years
2: in prison. Did you lose your joy? Well, uh, as you said, yes, I spent five years in prison in total uh, without one day off. And many other things happened. I can say, you know, you can have joy and Pain at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is what I believe. Um, actually, it's written in the book of Hebrew when about the moment that Jesus was on the cross. It's mentioned because of the joy he had mm. yeah. ahead of him. Yeah. The joy and cross. So, definitely he was in pain, but at the same time, yeah, joy. I can tell you, I had painful time in prison, I had tearful time in prison. I remember the first time I cried was five days after they arrested me on my son's birthday because I had many plans. I ordered things. I invited guests for my son's birthday, and then I was seeing myself in solitary. Um, so I had tearful times, but I can say time to time I was able to see the footprint of that joy um, in my time in prison. So... Um, the, how always I say you cannot have happiness mm. w- without, I'm, I'm saying without pain, you know. Happiness comes from what happened to you, which is the lack of pain or sorrow and problem. But I believe joy is coming from another source. Mm, so sometimes in a painful time, you can have joy. On the bed in your hospital, in the hospital, still you can have joy. Mm. In these days, I still, I'm far from my children. I'm trying to get to Canada to be with them, actually to be for them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but when I wake up in the morning, still I have that joy. Yeah. Yeah. This is how I can answer to this question. Joy and pain could be at the same box, but not happiness and pain. Yeah. I
0: think that's such an important message. And so many of our listeners will be hearing this podcast today and right now their circumstances are really challenging. Maybe not like, you know, solitary confinement levels of challenging, but we know like so many people are going to be journeying hard times. And I think that message that's not just kind of a a theological truth, but is actually a lived reality that you have walked through, that you've experienced that joy from another source, that it is real. And even the fact that you could say, you know, that you felt peace in that moment, you know, the scriptures talk about a peace that passes understanding. Mm. Yeah. But the fact that you experienced it is, it's just, it's beautiful. It really, it really brings to life what we kind of know in our heads is true.
2: Another thing I can add to this also there is love
3: there.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, love had a really important role in the whole journey, especially in those five years. I remember when I came out from prison, my friend and our executive director, David Yignazar, asked me, Farshid, what do you have in your backpack? If you can just bring one thing out from your backpack after 1,820 days being in prison for the sake of the gospel, what you have there. I said, David, if I want just to give you one thing, I can say this is what I receive, that the greatest manifestation of love is suffering. I mean, if you want to see how deeply you are in love with someone, you have to see how far you are ready to suffer for that someone. Wow, Hannah mentioned about her children and I have two children you know if someone asks a father or mother how far you are ready to suffer for your child it's so hard to put a border and say oh until here yeah Yeah, it's endless there there is no border it's endless Mm -hmm. you know if my daughter needs kidney of course I will give my kidney to her yeah but what if she needs the eye of course if there is no other option if one of us should to see the world that's her, mm-hmm. not me. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to suffer to live as a blind for the rest of my life. But what about heart? You see, there is no border. No. Okay, if there is only one heart needed, I I am ready to give that heart to mm-hmm. her or him to my son. That's why Jesus said, actually, there is no greater love for someone to give, to lay his life for someone. That's right. Wow.
1: Uh, Fashid, when you talk about love and you just said 1,820
2: days in prison? Yeah, yeah, in total. How do you feel about your captors? I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them. They lost. They don't know what they are doing. And um, I remember one of my interrogators got a kind of cancer I heard from someone and I, in those days, I was in prison, and I announced, actually, I had a call of prayer and fasting for him, um, because I heard my interrogator is struggling with cancer. Actually, this is he was my first interrogator, that that he beat me in the face in my home. When I came back to turn myself in, they were so angry, because they thought I escaped, and when I came back, they really surprised, and so that's why they start beating me in the face. But when I heard that guy is sick, I asked my friends, I sent a letter from prison and asked them to pray for him. And I remember some other prisoners, when they heard about the call of prayer for my enemy, they became angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember they became very much angry. They said, why are you praying for this guy? Yeah. I said, because he's lost. Wow. And also the other day in prison, they broke they came for inception and they broke my toe, my left toe, and they kept me in pain. I was in pain for three days.
1: So that's part of an interrogation?
2: No, it was after the interrogation. I was spending my years in prison. After being in prison for three years, one day they came, a guard came. Many people came to search for if who has cell phone, who has any illegal stuff. And um, actually, I went, and they started to beating some of the prisoners. It happened in April mm. two thousand, uh, April two thousand fourteen. It was a big news because they broke someone's head, they broke someone else's ribs, and they broke my my toe as well, my leg, my left mm. foot. And because they came to the tea at the same night. the the guy who was in charge for all the prisons in Iran, he came to the TV and in front of 80 million people, he started lying. And he said, these are all fake news. Nothing happened to any of prisoners. And we were all shocked. We were look at the TV. I said, who we are then? (laughs) Because we are all in blood. Mm -hmm. And, And because of that guy came to the national TV and he said, nothing happened to anyone. Because of that, they didn't take us to the hospital. Oh my goodness! So for three Mm. days, and you know what? This is actually the moment I discovered somehow you can have pain and joy at the same time. Because the day they broke my my toe was on Thursday, which Thursday, a day before Good Friday. So they kept me in pain from Thursday, Friday, from Friday, Saturday, and then finally on Sunday morning, on Resurrection Day of <laughs> Jesus, exactly that day, and exactly at the same time, usually we were gathering in the church. You know, usually 6.30 in the morning in mm-hmm. Iran, yeah. we were gathering in the church for prayer and, and breakfast. Yeah, sunrise. So after, after, yeah, after three years and a half, they, they, they put me in chain and shekel to another soldier, but they brought me out from prison to take me to the hospital. <laughs> and as soon as I sat in the minibus, Still, I was in deep pain because of my leg, because of my foot. But at the same time, I had joy. Mm. Wow. I said, "Lord, exactly at the time that you resurrected from the dead, I'm out. I can see the trees. <laughs> I can see people. I can hear the birds are singing." Wow. And in that minibus, I, I, I realized, yes, you can have pain and joy at the same time. Wow,
1: chained, chained to a prison guard in a bus. <laughs> yeah, chained to a prison broken guard. Broken foot. Yeah. Here comes the joy.
2: Wow. And I was the only one among the other prisoners that I didn't uh, write any letter to the court to try to bring them to the court. Of course, they, those who wrote um, as a claim, nothing happened for them because mm-hmm. they were in the mm-hmm. governmental side. Yeah. But I was not the only one. But instead of that, I released the letter. I said, do you know why I I didn't write a letter to claim? Because... I am trying to follow the voice of my Lord, which is coming after 2,000 years from his cross with saying, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And I'm trying to tune my life with that sound, with that Mm. strong voice. It's like a bomb (laughs) Still, after 2,000 years. It's repeating, Father, please forgive them. Father, please forgive them. Wow. So that was the reason. And that is how I'm feeling for them, for those who put me in captivity. But on the other hand, I really pray that one day soon, this darkness mm-hmm. go away from our country. Yeah. And I'm looking for that day. We turn on TV and said there is no Islamic Republic and Iran become a free sure. country. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that day. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have anything personal with them because our fight is not with the <laughs> our flesh and blood. Yeah. But I, we are standing against the dark darkness yeah. until the wall, this wall fall down.
1: Amazing. Father, please forgive them. That's so beautiful, Fashid. And uh we are deeply moved here just listening to your story. Yeah. Uh I, I we've got a few a couple of questions because we've, we I could listen all day, but we realize we have to move forward. Uh, now tell me, Fashid, what what do you think awakening? We we talk in? England about, oh, we're praying for the next great awakening. We want to see revival. What would awakening in Iran look like?
2: I believe revival, not not starting from people, start from the churches. Yes. Yeah. This is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And we see the when, the when we see the awakenings inside the church, then we will see revival out of the church. Wow. Um, yeah. the, the problem, I can I mean, really, I want to see more mature, faithful Iranian leaders raise up. And I think that is going to be very helpful for the revival that we are somehow slowly, slowly experiencing. This is one thing. The other thing is many people in Iran who become Christian, most of them, because of the danger, because of the, you know, the situation from the authority, they are hiding them their faith somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as those who are Christian in Iran stop hiding their faith and proclaiming their faith in different ways, I think we will see a big revival. There. Wow. You know, who knows how many Christian we have in Iran, but um at least, I mean from Muslim background, but at least we have one million.
3: Mm.
2: Amazing. But but are these one million people expressing their faith, proclaiming their faith? Most of them not. They're hiding but you know the one of the reasons that our church was growing from two four family to forty eight churches is people, they one of the reasons people they were proclaiming their faith. You know, when they were going to get their ID, they wrote there. When I went to the military service, which was very dangerous for me, but I wrote, I'm Christian. I was a believer for two years on those days. And then when they're going to send their kids to the street, I, I mean, I know it's, it's going to be a big problem for them. I know that. But when 500,000 of people, when 1 million people are ready to pay the price for that finally mm. the authority they will they they have to accept yeah our existence somehow now they are trying to deny our existence mm. today they, they no no not that much but it's much more than them. when I say one million I'm, I can tell you most people are disagree with me they say no it's much more than that but let's say at least one million yeah so no, that's why we need we, we need courageous believers to proclaim the effect. because I believe when you when you express three things the real power will release the first one is love when if you hide your love yep. it's like there is no power in your life Jesus didn't hide his love for us mm. he he shouted on the cross yeah. he came to the earth to express it's like someone loves his wife or husband but never tell her yeah. Ah, there is not that much power on that. But as soon as you say that, you say, I love you, mm-hmm. something going to happen.
3: Mm. And
2: the other thing is faith. When you proclaim your faith, when you express your faith, then the power in your faith is going to release. And also the third one, I believe, is forgiveness. Wow. You know, when you, yeah. when you announce your forgiveness, you say, I forgive you. Amazing. I have been with people in Rajoyesh prison. Most of them, they were under the execution. And in Iran, there is a law. If you kill someone, they're going to kill you. And after keeping you in prison, they take the guy, they're taking the guy, they put rope around his neck. And the family of people who got killed also is there. And they are going to ask the family, are you going to forgive this guy or not? If they say no, that guy will die in that moment. If they forgive that guy only in their heart, that's not going to save the, son, the life of the guy. Yeah. They have to say that. Mm. They have not, not just in the heart. They have to say, yes, I forgive you. If they say, I forgive you, that proclamation has power to bring this guy from death to life. Oh, wow. So I am trying, we are trying to train people in Iran to proclaim their faith, stand for their faith, and be ready to suffer for the faith. Because I believe, as Paul said to Timothy, whoever, whoever wants to have a godly life will suffer. No matter in England, in the United States, or mm-hmm. in Iran, or in mm. North Korea. Just it's a different type of suffering. Yeah. Because we are all like people who are swimming against the waves. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is how I see that.
1: Amazing. amazing Fashion, they're just beautiful lessons coming. I think I was saying what would awakening look like and, hannah did say at the minute the stats would say that the church in iran is the fastest growing church in the world and we are humbled that you're talking to us about it and sharing us some of the lessons but we have one final mm. question for you sorry we would love to listen to you all day my friend one day we can <laughs> sit and you. eat some spice spicy lamb together and yeah you know. <laughs> i, uh, I, I
2: would come to uk as soon as i can well, i, I would happy be to meet you in person brilliant Afshin, we
0: we've been asking everyone this question. Um, what is one experience when you think back over your life? What is one experience of prayer that you will never forget?
2: Actually, I have I have a I have experience in Armenia in two thousand seven. I never forget, but I never recommended to anyone to do that prayer, <laughs> okay. and I never I never did it in my life again. I was in Armenia out of Yerevan, the capital, and it was a conference. We were started to worshiping and praying, for example, at six, seven, and it took till eleven, twelve at night, five, six hours. And that uh, people I was really filled by the spirit. I was like a drunk guy mm. <laughs> by the spirit, you know, really people they were still worshipping in that salon. I came out from that place and but I was able to listen to the music still. And then I lay down on the green and I look at the sky. It was full of the stars. i never seen a sky like that. And then I started to speak with, continue my prayer with the Lord. And I said one thing that I never said again. I said, I know you are hearing my voice. I know that. But if you are really hearing my voice please show me a shooting star right now. <laughs> and you know what happened? Nothing happened. <laughs> no shooting star. Oh. No shooting star. And I was lying down there and for maybe one, two minutes. And I said, Lord, if you are saying you're hearing my voice, if your word, I remember my prayer, if your word is telling me you are listening to me, I believe. I'm sure you're listening to me, but just I wanted to tell you, I was very happy if you were showing me that shooting star. When I said that shooting star, as soon as I said that, I saw a very big shooting star on the, on the <laughs> sky. <laughs> Come on. And, and I, I stood up, I was crying, I was jumping, <laughs> and then I said to myself, what are you doing, Farshid? <laughs> of course, of course he's hearing your voice. And then I later on I was thinking, what happened in your heart, father? That when I was telling these things from your side, what was happening in your heart? Mm. One one shooting star for my son <laughs> or among you know, this is this is the the, the experience that I never well, forget. That. Amazing. But I never repeat it, and I no. never recommend it to anyone. No,
1: and we <laughs> some of our listeners may be this evening lying in their back gardens, staring at the sky, <laughs> asking the Lord to send a shooting star. But that's a yeah. a beautiful story. And
2: for me, nothing happened. <laughs> for me, nothing happened when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I did it once.
1: Yeah, I, did I asked once. for a
0: shooting star once. And did wow.
1: happen, yeah. Here, do you want to hear my one? I was on a boat. We had had a bit of a, a challenge with our children on holiday the year before, and I was really nervous about going on holiday. And I remember standing at the front of a ferry from Ibiza to Barcelona, and I said, "God, if you're if you're with me, can you show me a dolphin?" Wow.
3: Uh, and
1: and then I went, and then I said to myself, "Brian, you're being so stupid." So I said, "God, <laughs> God, I don't need to see a dolphin." I trust. Yeah. I trust you. And the minute I said I trust you, wow. three dolphins started leaping around wow. in front. So it was that's like, serious. and it was like, it was like the the Trinity in dolphin form.
0: I don't. It was. I, theologically, I don't think it was the Trinity in dolphin form.
2: <laughs> Just to caveat
0: that. <laughs> right. Wow, you, mean, you
2: see, I love the that's beautiful of, the of God. The same time that we say, okay, we don't believe in that. We don't. And then he showed that. But I also, I would like to add this as well. I am so grateful for the time that the answer of my prayer was no from him. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really, I appreciate hearing no from him. Yeah. I had few no as an answer of my prayer, and I'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. as well. Amazing.
0: He's a very kind God, isn't he?
2: Yeah, so good. You know, every day when I wake up, every day, uh, it's a part of my routine. I'm listening to the song, The Goodness of God, Mm -hmm. every morning. And I love the part that said, you are so, so good to me. Mm. And that's the truth. (laughs) He was so, so good. Always I say, Lord, if you don't answer any of my prayer for the rest of my life, it is going to be so hard and painful for me. But I can tell you, you are still good Mm. because when I look back to the 44 years of my life, actually you answered my prayer for 120 years. It's more above my head.
0: You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Wow. Three times
1: above my head. Farshid, Thank you for bringing that joy to this podcast. Mm. The footprint of joy is evident all over your life. Your Mm -hmm. love for Jesus, the fact that you, after all you have been through, you still carry the joy of the Lord in your heart and it overflows out of you. So Mm. bless you, my brother. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you you coming to be with us. Thank you for being a great host.
2: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to the 24-7 Prayer Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our work, please do visit 247prayer.com.